back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. In this episode, I'm sharing the astrology forecast for May 27th to June 2nd of 2020. I recently started sharing my weekly astrology forecasts, which have been in written form for the last five years to YouTube, and I'm taking the YouTube audios and sharing them on here. Some of you told me you like to re-listen to the forecast this way. At some point in the forecast, I'll be speaking about images, which you cannot see, but I was referring to images I was showing on the screen. If you want to see the images I selected for this week's transits uh, based on the archetypes of what I'm seeing in the art and what's happening in the sky, you can also find the web article version of this forecast at monarchastrology.com. And since the forecast itself has some announcements in it, I'm just going to get straight to it. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of Monarch Astrology, bringing you the astrology forecast of May 27th to June 2nd. And this week we have a square from Venus and Mars. And when we have a hard contact between Venus and Mars like this, there's fireworks, whether that's chemistry or discord. And also taking into account that it's Venus retrograde in Gemini. And so one of the things that we are really learning during this Venus retrograde season is relativity within relationship the way that we are all these unique centers of consciousness that are interpreting reality through our own filters and lens, through our own history, through our own psychology, through our own karmic patternings, through our own early life conditioning. So we may be observing the same objective matrix of reality, but we're having vastly different experiences as we interface with it from different locations. So Venus and Gemini retrograde is helping us work our capacity for intellectual empathy. And having intellectual empathy for other people allows us to build bridges of connection. So the image that was coming to mind for this week's forecast um, and the title of it, of bridges in the sky and bridges yet to meet, I'm thinking of the way that we build bridges across our consciousness, that we share mind-heart bridges, and also the ways that sometimes there is conflict and we just don't see eye to eye. And that if we should be experiencing that this week, where we're at some kind of impasse with a conflict of perception um, or some kind of discord with someone, that you know we can't uh, really influence or make the other person interact with the situation differently. We can make requests, we can state our needs, but there's really an internal process of having a change of mind and heart and allowing the other person the space to do that as well. And so we may have the experience this week. I find during Venus retrogrades, um, the image of like magical chairs comes to mind, which could be disturbing on some levels, and I don't mean it to be. Um, but like the sense of that you have um, these relationships in your life and you have seasons where you have certain people in your inner circle and then things start to shift and you find that your inner circle is composed of different people. 
um, not necessarily the people that you're used to hanging out with all the time. And this is because there's like kind of a shakeup in the field when we have Venus retrograde, where we become interested in different people. Um, we can be having certain tensions in our relationships. And this can also be a chance to, at the micro level within a relationship, um, shift things around and have um, some kind of change occur. So a little bit um, of an overview about the week before we get into more detail. And before that, I also just want to say too that um, you can find me on social media at Sabrina Monarch on Instagram and at Sabrina underscore Monarch on Twitter. Um, and I'm also leaving a link to my mailing list, which is a great way to stay updated about the content that I put out as well as courses that I teach. Mercury enters Cancer this week. And we have this more dramatic transit of the Mars um, Venus square, Mars and Pisces squaring retrograde Venus and Gemini. And as I was saying, hard aspects between Venus and Mars can be dramatic because they really bring up active tensions and conflict within relationship. And with Venus also being retrograde, this can intensify the quality of shifts happening in our connections. And likewise, Venus Mars can be. Um, added chemistry. There's heightened attraction and also the courage to engage in courtship. It's, there's a difference between passively liking someone and making your affection known. And Mars has that kind of pursuer courtship quality to it. If we place this dynamic with Venus in Gemini and Mars in Pisces, we're looking at conflict and chemistry around perspective and point of view, the Venus-Gemini side and fantasy, Mars and Pisces. In one of its worst expressions, this transit could be like gaslighting and asserting that another person's experience is all in their head. To some extent, fantasy is running high at the moment, and we may have distorted perspectives. This is true. If our relationships are collaborative, however, instead of competitive, we may actually work to come to a place of mutual understanding. If we accomplish this, it is likely that both or all parties involved can be transformed in mind and heart. If we are open to our assumptions not being correct, and open to being surprised by people, and open to allowing another person to actually reveal themselves and not have them just fit our projections, our relations may take on a beautiful and nearly exalted quality at this time. If our relationships are running on a competitive level, the Venus-Mars alignment could manifest as arguments about whose perspective is true. If one party manages to dominate the other, or one party just acquiesces and gives up, it can create a rupture in the connection at this time, like the bridges that are not meeting. It does not mean it cannot be repaired but it can signal an underworld journey where the sense of connection goes under, perhaps to return and even deepen later if there's a change of heart. There's an intimacy to repair, um, not necessarily just always being in a place of harmony, but what happens when there's a rupture and then a repair of some kind. Relationships can open up some of our deepest soul work. And not all peacemaking or harmonizing, which is more of Venus's agenda, can happen because of just one conversation. 
Perhaps there is a deeper pattern at play or clashes of personality. These dynamics can take time, even if both parties are willing. We could even look at conflicts in our lives as spiritual initiations of some kind. We could be curious about what we're learning here. Why have I attracted this person in the mirror? And what integrity and alignment would look like for us in how we navigate the conflict that is arising? One of the lessons of Venus retrograde is learning more about how to source love from within. It is Venus's shadow side to overgive as a way to get or to be overfocused on the other as opposed to taking care of one's own rhythms and needs. When we truly practice self-love and self-care, it has a way of restoring harmony to our relationships. And I'm going to pull up my slides. Here we are. Okay. So bridges in the sky and bridges yet to meet. And before we get into these transits in more detail, I want to announce a few things. Um, I have a Kickstarter coming in June of this year, and I'm really excited about it. June is going to be the sixth year, the beginning of the sixth year of my weekly astrology content creation. And in 2019, I also added in my podcast, Magic of the Spheres. And I'm going to be asking for your help to crowdfund the year ahead. And what's really exciting about this campaign to me is that um, everyone who donates or pledges is going to receive something in return, whether that's an astrology reading or tuition to one of my courses. So if you've been enjoying my content and following these forecasts and you love the podcast, um, you can pledge your support, but also like get an astrology reading out of it. I know that a lot of you really resonate with my writing and I would love to direct uh, my astrological interpretations towards your chart and offer you something of value in that way. So I will be um, announcing more about it. I would love for you to consider me like public radio and public radio is funded by its listeners. Um, and I truly need your support as a community to thrive. So please help me make this Kickstarter a success. And one of the things that I am offering uh, for my Kickstarter is this new course that I'm creating called Online Presence as Performance Art, which is how to cultivate an aligned magical brand, a personal brand, um, and to have an impact in the world. So why do I take pictures of myself like this? Um, literally for fun, for the spectacle. Um, I really like enjoy magic. Magic is my favorite thing. It is one of my highest values in this life. Um, and so I tend to take pictures that are kind of more magical in essence or have like a crystal like over the camera lens or something so that there's this like dreamy aspect to it. Because in a sense, that is how I see myself. I live this magical life and I create content designed to help other people live a magical life. And so fully embodying my values and broadcasting it over the internet is something that I consider in a sense performance art. And perform literally means to carry out or to entertain as though to an audience. So if you have um, 
something that you want to bring into the world. I know so many of you have these uh, visionary qualities or you are a healing professional and you want nothing more than to bring this out into the world and to be successful at it. And one of the ways to be successful being yourself as your career is to have a really positive and healthy relationship with having a personal brand. Now, if you cringe at the word personal brand, it's probably because you've picked up a lot of conditioning um, that somehow you're selling yourself or that you're, you know, that being in business means that you're dishonest or whatever it is. Like we all have these hangups and blocks. Maybe it's that you're afraid of what people will think. So this course is going to be like a, an introduction into some more magical and fun ways of thinking about being online. I love the internet. I have been interacting with online spaces since I was 11. So I'm really happy to guide you through this journey. And we're also going to talk about some of the psychological inner processes of having a public life. If you um, are aware of like the houses in astrology, the fourth house and the 10th house are naturally opposite each other. So the 10th house relates to your public life and who you are in the world. And the fourth house is your inner home. It's your literal home. It's the ground um, of which your roots can go into. And so if you want to be successful in the world, you have to be primed emotionally for that. So this is not just a course about um, how to do it in like a kind of logistical strategy way, though I do have a lot of insight about that. It's about how to be emotionally and spiritually aligned with the process of being online. So this course is very like, I'm super excited about it. And it seems like you guys are too, from what I've heard about it. And it's going to be one of the, um, the rewards for this Kickstarter. So if you're not already on my mailing list, um, I'm going to leave the link in the notes. And this would be um, one of the best ways to stay in the know about my Kickstarter and the different um, rewards that you can get. And last announcement before we get into the week, I did a podcast interview with Teo Montoya of Human Design Readings. Um, I'm sure some of you, a good number of you know about human design and some of you probably have never even heard of it. And it's a channeled system that involves astrology and the I Ching and the chakras. Um, it's a very complex and interesting system and it's new. It was channeled, I believe, in 1992, so it's as old as me. And um, if you haven't looked up your aura type before, so like what's your human design type, then you can go to jovianarchive.com and find out. I'll leave the link in the notes. And then listen to this episode and learn a little bit more about it and maybe go down a research rabbit hole um, to learn more about human design after this if it intrigues you. And Teo is also a great reader, so he would be a good person to reach out to if you have questions or want to learn more. Okay, here's our week. On May 28th, Mercury enters Cancer at 11.09 a.m. Pacific. And I chose this image because we're looking at, um, this is based on the work of Mazuru Omoto the way that water crystals look different um, under a microscope, depending on the energy that has been put into them with our word. 
And being that we are um, made of water so predominantly, there's a great effect that it has on our bodies, on our consciousness, on our very beings when we speak tenderly and beautifully to ourselves and to others. Mercury, I associate with the mind and the nervous system. Well, it's not just me who associates it, but Mercury is associated with those things. And cancer is like a big hug. It's an embrace. And so how can we do things that are like a hug or an embrace to the nervous system right now? Um, On a more practical level, we do have a retrograde coming up. And actually, no, fuck that. It is practical to be loving. Um, It is practical to be kind to ourselves. I take that back. (laughs) It is like actually like foundational to uh, thriving in life. Anyway, Mercury leaves its home sign of Gemini and enters water sign Cancer, where it will later station retrograde on June 17. And at the practical level, this is also a time to make space for simple maintenance tasks that you already know need tending to. Um, I use an example of like an oil change because I swear it's usually in the time period just leading up to a mercury retrograde that the oil light goes off in my car. And I know from experience that that particular errand tends to be much more efficient before Mercury stations retrograde than if I put it off to the actual retrograde. So little things like that that are simple to do now, go ahead and do them so that you don't have to do them later when Mercury stations retrograde. Now, I'm not a Mercury retrograde hater here, and I'm not going to spread negativity about it. In fact, I'm born underneath one, and I feel pretty connected to its energy, and I think that they can be very magical time periods. But do they come with a few little inconveniences? Often so. So if you want to participate with the transit, um, I find it best to do some practical chores just kind of to open the space um, in a better way. Kind of like I have Jupiter and Virgo and I like to clean and take care of like loose ends in my life as much as possible before I travel. I think of it as like a little ritual. So a pre-Mercury retrograde ritual, just take care of some things. Simple. Mercury in Cancer emphasizes emotional intelligence and the capacity to name and process what we are feeling. This placement also highlights skill sets, um, communication skill sets around being caring with other people's vulnerabilities and ours. Um, So feeling like if you have particular emotions that you judge yourself for having, what would it mean to actually be kind and compassionate to yourself instead of judging yourself? Um, I think tenderness is kind of like the language of choice with Mercury and Cancer. It's very sweet. Mercury will station retrograde um, on June 17 at 14 degrees of Cancer, just barely having entered an opposition to Pluto and 24 degrees of Capricorn. With Pluto and Capricorn relating to unconscious dynamics around authority and the development of one's deep authority, one dynamic that may be very present in the field is that of people feeling victimized about how other people are, quote, making them feel, end quote. Within this is the shadow work of discovering where we have given our power away. It's so funny, like I... um, Remember when I was eight years old, someone telling me, like I was telling someone about my feelings, something that that had happened at school. 
and I was talking about how mad this person makes me. And this man told me, no one can make you feel anything. You choose. And I remember my brain being broken at that moment in time. And I argued for a moment, like, no, like he made me feel that way. But I actually like, uh, it was kind of like a record skipping moment. And I remember it really vividly because it was the first time I had ever encountered that idea. And even if we intellectually know that, it will sneak in, in these um, other ways where we're not necessarily recognizing in the moment that we are um, projecting um, in that way or feeling as though we are victimized by another person. And sometimes maybe another person points it out to us. Um, if we have people in our life that are on that level, um, there's a lot of kind of blame that's normalized that goes around, around how um, things are making us feel a certain way. And there can be truth to there being injustices or things that are happening that are um, unfair, right? But how we source our own power in the situation is kind of the shadow work potential whenever there's a situation where we feel um, under someone or something's foot. And within how we narrate the events that are unfolding, it is important that we take ownership of our side as much as possible and that we be mindful of the tendency to project. Um, and so this is just one angle of it. I think that the other angle too can be recognizing um, when we do have authority, when we do have power, how we're wielding it in a way to be compassionate towards other people. Um, because it's not exactly cute either to um, interact in a way that is aggressive and then say that it's the other person's fault that they feel that that was aggressive. Um, so there's a kind of responsibility both ways. And understanding how we are feeling is a crucial step in taking care of ourselves at deeper levels. The things that we have not allowed ourselves to feel, that we feel is too much, too difficult, too distracting, have ways of showing up through sideways channels. The more that we can be with ourselves and to feel things more fully, the more our emotions can move and stagnant situations can transform. Take note that there are already heavy influences in the sky, like Pluto and Jupiter and Capricorn, that much more prefer to be in control, to compartmentalize any messy emotion, to be composed. So actually feeling certain things that are personally taboo for us to feel maybe somewhat of what the messenger wants to accomplish, Mercury the messenger, when in the sign of cancer. And it can feel uncomfortable or profoundly relieving. Either way, I think one of the biggest messages of Mercury and Cancer is that it's okay to feel. And especially that it's okay to feel emotions that you historically have a little bit more trouble embodying. And maybe do you have support um, in your community um, through people that you work with? Um, do you have a container to help you feel those things? On May 29th, 
The sun in eight degrees of Gemini will sextile Chiron in eight degrees of Aries at 6.57 a.m. Pacific. And this transit is like a window into the freedom we feel when we approach situations in life with a beginner's mind, when we feel light and unfettered by the weight of our own identity. We're not um, so downtrodden with ourselves. This transit has a quality to it um, of like making friends while traveling abroad and having these adventures that you wouldn't have normally initiated on your own, um, or alternately hosting a traveler and doing this for them. So some kind of spontaneity and novelty. Try taking some moments to engage with your environment as though you were seeing it for the first time or court the side of you that is a wanderer whose life is a living oracle, whose simple experiences and conversations could be part of a movie or a novel. What if your life was cinematic like that? When your life presents you with more things to be fascinated by as you do this practice. And this is a, this is a real thing. <laughs> this is like, um, I had a poetry or a poetics teacher that changed my life. Um, because she talked about like, you know, at the beginning of class, like you're here to um, cultivate vision. So carry a notebook around and find things that spark you find beautiful images and write them down. And that very night, um, the world looked completely different to me because I had just received an invitation to look at things um, from the perspective of having vision. So once you are open to having vision, life starts to flower. And I think that the philosophical question here that is quite an unknown is, were these things here all along and now you're just noticing them? Or did the universe know that you were playing attention and decided to give you something um, to dialogue with you? I'm also remembering, uh, recognizing here that the artist credits for these images are on the web version of this forecast, the written version. So you can look at that to find the um, artist credits and you can also go back to it throughout the week if you want to um, read this. So go out with vision um, if you are seeing things for the first time. And then on June 2nd, the one I was telling you about, the Mars-Venus um, transit. Mars in 14 degrees of Pisces, square Venus retrograde in 14 degrees of Gemini at 5.41 p.m. I love this image for this because you have like a fight scene and a painter painting it. So you have um, a martial image and a Venusian image, and you have the kind of meta layer of it, of like the reflecting and thinking about it, which I think is so good for Venus retrograde in Gemini. Um, but hard aspects such as the square, the other hard aspects are conjunctions and oppositions. And hard does not mean difficult, though it can in a sense, like it has that association. What it really means more is dynamic or loud or confrontational, like it will make itself known. And hard aspects between Venus and Mars can be very steamy and discordant. Either way, sometimes both. 
Mars conjunct series, um, or Mars is conjunct series, which is an asteroid that relates to underworld journeying and the myth of Demeter, Persephone, and Hades. And even, you know, just to presence that, it's not just a Mars-Venus square. It's Mars conjunct this triple myth asteroid that relates to, um, like, being on the above world and then suddenly being swallowed up by hell and then making a residence in hell and then spending uh, a double life after that, where you, you know, Persephone is queen of the underworld and then she also comes back up to the above world. So we all have these experiences of feeling taken under or plunged under. Sometimes it's, um, you know, an experience sets it off or our reaction to an experience sets it off, sets it off where we feel like we just can't, um, get out above the water, you know, so when we're in a grief space or something like that. And I find that very interesting with Mars and Pisces having this kind of forceful fantasy element to it. And then Ceres conjunct that of kind of like being taken under into our fantasies. Um, as someone with a lot of planets in Pisces myself, I, I do know the experience and maybe you know it too of having a really compelling fantasy and you just are kind of like drawn into it. Um, and it's not what's actually happening. It's a distorted perception of it. Um, and it's tricky because Pisces is also a mystic who's seeing beyond the veil and into the deep truth of things. Um, but there's a fine edge between uh, mysticism and delusion which is actually one of the main reasons that people are afraid of mysticism and magic is that it, they equate it with a fear that they will go insane. Um, or, you know, what if, what if they're delusional, God forbid. So having the, the capacity to have a magical life and to have vision and to figure out where that line is of what's real and what's fantasy is, is crucial. So that's a dynamic that I think is really playing into this, uh, Venus Mars square. And we'll come back to that. Venus retrograde in Gemini can be currently related to relationship dynamics where the same objective situation, objective, um, we're not, we're not even going to deconstruct that, but we'll just say objective situation is interpreted differently by each party involved. While this is always the case, of course, um, at the moment, these interpretations may be wildly different tales from one another. Mars and Pisces brings a forcefulness of fantasy, such that our own narrative tint at any given moment might feel especially compelling and others theirs. So, this dynamic does not bode well for conversations within intimate relationships that are geared toward parceling out which perspective is right or true. Even if one party manages to win, it is not likely to support trust and connection if there is a win-lose result. A spiritual opening of this transit is expanding our capacity to hold different versions of the same story that being our own and those that we are interacting with. And come to a place of dynamic collaboration when possible and desired. We may, be, um, we may need to be willing to adjust our story when new information appears. We may feel pleased and understood when others do the same for us. Like it is 
a, almost a feeling of redemption to be understood. Something that builds a bridge in connection right now is clearing up misunderstandings because they happen and then forgiving the image or the fantasy that we created about the other person if we did cast them in a role that they are actually innocent of. You know that kind of like feeling if you go deep into a fantasy assumption of someone and then you realize oh, it's not actually that, but it still holds this kind of tint. Um, <clears throat> it's the process of letting that go, if needed. Sometimes those are also um, a, calls, a call for space of some kind. We can feel pulled under series to difficult places emotionally when we are seeking to build bridges of connection with people who, for whatever reason, do not want to or cannot entertain our point of view. <clears throat> this can create ruptures in the connection, which can be uh, repaired, as I was saying earlier too. Um, they can be repaired if the parties are willing. So keep in mind that your own stubbornness to engage another person's perspective can also create a rupture at this time. And it may do you good to seek empathy and understanding, which is not the same as taking ownership that another person's claims, such as if you're being blamed for something, are necessarily true. In this example, it's just true that they at least feel that way. There's such a, an ego assault that happens when we feel, when we're playing a blame game with people, where um, it really puts people's defenses up. Um, one of the most like ways to get the ego to react and get inflamed is a false accusation. No one likes to be blamed. And so if blame is happening and the other person is like, that's not true, but the other person really feels that and they're in that kind of Piscean place about it, then um, there's quite a conflict there. So how do we have these difficult um, conflict situations and somehow find a way to collaborate um, and navigate these very differing perspectives? You know, Mars and Venus, they're, they're complementary archetypes, but they are doing different things. Mars um, is here for freedom and to win. And Mars likes to overcome obstacles. And Venus wants to create connection. And when they clash, and I keep saying this, winning is not the same as loving. And winning can happen at the cost of love. So what is a way to collaboratively win um, for whatever worth that has this week? And that doesn't mean that there can't be fire, that there can't be conflict. Mars Venus is steamy. There is like a chemistry that happens when there's that kind of clash. So it's not that these things don't have to be talked about. It's just the intent going into it of do you want to consume and destroy another person um, 
in order to be safe in your own ego? Or are you willing to have a partial ego death to understand another person? And in general, there is a possibility that we recently felt pulled under by our fantasies with Mars in Pisces conjunct Ceres in Pisces. This dynamic was exact last week and is now lessening in influence. Um, it's possible that we saw people in lights that felt disturbing to us. Part of the underworld descent is that things start to look weird. When you're in the daytime, everything's clear and things are as they appear. And when you start the descent into the underworld, things look weird. Things start to look distorted. And so it's very possible that if we had something that felt like we were getting pulled under, that we saw people in lights that felt really weird or disturbing. And this can reveal some of our own shadow work journey and healing processes. While Mars in Pisces feels more like a drop of ink that affects the whole vessel, and so it takes time for that to kind of clear, um, the whole water is affected. Venus in Gemini has more of a capacity to shake things off and let the dynamic move forward. And I just want to name too that it's not necessarily like the way that things look could be disturbing when we're getting pulled under if that's a dynamic that we're experiencing. And things can also be kind of juicy or alluring or erotic even. The underworld um, has that kind of like libidinal or erotic connection to it as well. And one of the common manifestations of Venus retrograde is a desire to go within and to have more space from others. And sometimes the cue of this internal rhythm that the tide for more solitude is coming is that we feel more irritable or we feel discordant because we are starting to itch for that space. If this is coming up for you, um, you might just want to take care of yourself and take the space that you need and where it feels appropriate assure people in your life that you love them and that you'll be back. So you're not just ghosting, um, but you are taking the space that you need. And on the steamier side of this transit, as I keep alluding to, because Mars Venus transits can be hot. Um, we've already discussed the discord. We may be exploring the ways that we generate abundance and eroticism in our lives from the inside out. That simply by cultivating a more erotic perception or taking the time to tune into what really turns us on, life seems to reflect us by flowering with more circumstances and images that compel us. You know, we talk about a gratitude practice and gratitude is great. Have a fascination practice, have an awe practice, um, have a pleasure practice. Anything that you focus on will magnify. Naturally, when we are receptive to seeing richness and beauty, others who are open to connection like how they feel around us because they sense that they're being admired. They, they can feel that they're in the presence of someone who has a generous eye. So your external life actually changes just because you made an internal adjustment 
And there's, that's magnetism. Venus is all about magnetism. And hard Mars-Venus aspects also create friction and dynamism around courtship and giving and receiving. And the chemistry of aligned desire can be effervescent and transcendent and even explosive. Um, so this can be in your connections and it can also be in your internal space that is ready for connection. Um, it can be in the process of choosing your experience fully, feeling um, love for life and feeling courtship for life itself. That inner orientation is kind of like the Venus retrograde work. So that's what I have for you. Thank you so much for listening. Please leave a note in the comments about what you thought, how your week is going, how your Venus retrograde is going, and how are you bringing more magic into your life this week? I want to know. So please tell me. And remember to subscribe to this channel and hit the notification bell. And I'm leaving links to um, my website, my mailing list, all of that stuff in the notes. Have a beautiful week. Thank you for being here. Please forgive the YouTube specific language. I know that if you are listening to this right now, this is not YouTube, but that was a clip from YouTube. I just want to thank you all so much for your support and love. Um, I've been receiving just a lot of um, positive feedback, whether you've been leaving reviews or comments on YouTube or comments on social media. Um, I really feel the love. So thank you for participating and for following these podcasts and forecasts. It really means a lot to me. And I'm really grateful to share these airwaves with you. Thank you.